everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim. Yo, yo. <laughs> special guest. A special guest, Garrus, my cat, who has decided that he wants to lie on my chest right this minute. Um, despite the fact that he's been a menace and a pest. But he's too adorable to, to just throw away. Um, all, although, the truth is, I tried like three times and he just kept coming back. So, I just, I made my peace with it. And of course, as we all know, you named your cat Garrus after Nick Garrus, the director of Sleepwalkers. <laughs> that is completely factually incorrect, <laughs> but um, I'll let you believe what you want, Tim. Um, this is a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies on this show. And this is, of course, the Oktoberthon. We are working through a bunch of bonus episodes, extra episodes, uh, biggest Oktoberthon ever. I have no idea at the time of recording how many we're going to end up with, but I'm shooting for a high number. Oh. Shooting for a high Le- number. At least 12. <laughs> I don't know. Try double that, Tibby. Try double that. I, I do not have a calculator handy, so I can't even <laughs> do that. Oh, dear. The cat's also turned down my volume on my headphones, so you sounded really quiet to me for a second there. <laughs> um, so, absolutely nothing but shenanigans. The cat is mm-hmm. staying where he is. Uh, and I love that he's he's choosing this episode, because it's not like we're talking about a goofy movie. We're not talking about some <laughs> schlocky B-movie. This is the episode where we're going to talk about Psycho. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's mm-hmm. Psycho from 1960. Uh, we will start spoiler-free, I guess? Uh, and we'll give you warning somewhere in the middle before we go into spoilers. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but that is the plan we're going to talk about Psycho and we are going to do the entire franchise um, over the course of the month well the movies yeah. anyway I'm not including Bates Mattel in this <laughs> before anyone <laughs> thinks we're doing a hundred you know TV reviews uh, although I, I have watched all of Bates Mattel so if anyone uh, wants to know what I think about it feel free to hit me up sure get Tim on Twitter at Tim Vergilish <laughs> go and yeah. pester him over there Um <laughs> In response to before we get into the movie, uh, just one thing is if you want to uh, give us questions, questions uh, in general, but especially now over the Oktoberthon, uh, you can do so at Screams Midnight on Twitter. You can also do oh, yeah. it by emailing us uh, at mftvquestions at gmail.com. Uh, just put Screams After Midnight in the subject box and then you can give us your big question uh, mm. to your heart's content. Uh, and we'll <laughs> pick some out here or there to, to answer and discuss things i don't know um so yes psycho psycho Psycho. it's actually worth mentioning as well that this is actually kind of a remake of an old episode because way 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 back at the start of this show when we were really bad at this oh oh you meant a a remake of screams (laughs) yes of of our episode yes Yes. I, i thought you meant like a like a remake of like a hitchcock tv show or something i was like oh i didn't know that but yeah 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 um we we talked about this a long time ago, but that was back before we got good, and it was always a, a an idea to to redo some of those earlier episodes, especially for the the, the big prominent movies like Psycho. Yeah. So so guess what? Yeah. This episode it's in color, and you're gonna get to see Pete Jack off. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, Psycho. If you're not familiar with it, and you should be familiar with it, but you know. It is an old movie, and you know I'm I'm often shocked with people who are only ten years younger than me who seem to know nothing about movies that are before the eighties or whatever. So, you mean people with a life? <laughs> 
you realize that you're just as bad as me, right? Like... <laughs> I'm better, baby. <laughs> Look at my collection versus yours. <laughs> the last thing we, we we literally just recorded a review before this where Tim talked about buying tons of Blu-rays and sales uh, during whatever holiday it was. I can't remember what holiday it was. <laughs> it was like Memorial Day or something, which is kind of a weird day for sales but for some reason a lot of horror movies were having sales that weekend because uh i just splurged a little bit too because uh scream factor was having another sale for some reason <laughs> i got even more yeah um you can see my cat's getting comfortable on my chest and shoulder he's just kind of yeah oh, hell yeah i mean obviously the audio people can't for the audio people i'm just talking a lot about a cat that they can't see but for the video many... people <laughs> how many uh nipples is that thing rocking <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to him. It doesn't have to be dead here. I thought you were doing some type of avant-garde thing where you're like, no microphones. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna exist in this podcast world. <laughs> I was letting the video people see the cat and all of his glory uh, mm. without the mic being in the way. It's all right. I have two cats, uh, which are. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna say they're better, but they're oh, of oh, equal quality. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> How dare you? You hearing this, Garris? You hearing this this, this? this ridiculous statement. Um, so Psycho uh, is, despite the fact that it's kind of at the tail end of Hitchcock's career, um, and it's not right at the end. He was making movies throughout all the '60s, and he he died in the '70s. But um, it's very much, at least in my my way of looking at his career is very much at the very late end of his his his, his cycle and he um cycle his cycle yes um because the bird the birds came after this which was another big one that people always mention but i feel like that's kind of the last one that people talk about a lot and that the cat has moved i can set up properly which is nice um but it's the it, you know the birds is very much the last big classic cycle uh, sorry a big classic uh, hitchcock movie because you know, all the ones that came after that, people don't talk about as much. People, people don't really talk about Torn Curtain. They don't really talk about Marnie that much. Uh, Frenzy's not bad, actually. Frenzy's the one kind of post-Birds movie from him that I actually like. Because he made some weak sauce in that last, like, decade <laughs> or so. Um, okay. Thoughts? Have you seen other Hitchcock movies, Tim? Have you only watched Psycho? <laughs> uh, honestly, I haven't seen that many. Um... Yeah, I, I think really just Psycho and uh, The Birds. I think that's it. You watch the two that can be classified as horror <laughs> and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Like, uh, obviously, like you know, I know a lot of plot beats from other stuff, just like you know, through pop culture, like mm. doing parodies of like you know, Rear Window or you know, stuff like that. But uh, no, I actually really haven't seen that much. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um... Who has the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, you watch like 50 movies for this show a week <laughs> can't watch anything else hey I watched most of these Hitchcock movies before I ever met you alright you, you had a whole <laughs> youth you know before you met me well I mean sure I don't even, I don't even know what I was doing when I was younger I forget <laughs> uh. <laughs> so um, but you know, Hitchcock had obviously had a very illustrious career before this. He, like you say, Rear Window, Vertigo, um, bunch of classic Strangers in a Train, a lot of thrillers, a lot of kind of 
you know tense uh, suspense films but not horror movies and psycho is very much a horror movie and it was kind of this weird shift for him because it was like let's do something different let's do something a bit more shocking and one of the big things that i will talk about with this movie um is how it kind of is the dawn of the modern horror film in a lot of ways because before this film horror was very much like it was you know it was castles in transylvania it was you know supernatural things it was you know it was all these different kind of ideas and this was the movie that kind of said no we can do a horror with um you know, a man. W- w- yeah, with a regular person set <laughs> set in a in a modern, you know, for the time a modern setting. It's, it's it's a motel. It's it's a regular person who has regular like present day worries. <laughs> it's it's not someone in a cloak and you know, like rich society from like the seventeen hundreds kind of thing. I, w- I wonder if they did it today. If if it all take place at a an Airbnb. <laughs> maybe the, the modern retelling uh, maybe maybe i mean even the fact that it's black and white um the reason why it was in black and white is because the the news was still in black and white in 1960 you know most stuff had shifted to color but uh, the news hadn't so it was the idea was to make it feel a bit more real it's also it's a very low budget movie as well of course um mm-hmm. compared to a lot of hitchcock stuff so you know, it's very much it takes the horror away from the the myth, myth, mythical, like forgotten European lands, and brings it into sort of modern day, uh, you know, Western culture. Uh, it's very much what Psycho does, and on top of that, it's also a very sh- you know for the time shocking movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely things in this movie where I'm watching, I'm going, yeah, for 1960, this feels quite raunchy that they're even talking about this, or that they're even showing a woman walk about in a bra, or that they're, yeah, you know, uh, and. And like, wasn't it kind of like the first like uh, movie where like you, you don't want to get spoiled with it? Like, uh, did like didn't Hitchcock? Because before, like, uh, I think movies people kind of just walked in and out of them, like whenever didn't matter, like when they started. And I think this was like one of the first movies where they're like, uh, no, you have to come right when the movie starts, and like they're not gonna let you know new people in like halfway through the movie or whatever. Because you know Hitchcock was very uh, insistent on you know not having it be spoiled. Yeah, he also had people go around and buy the book so no one could know what the ending is. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, that's cool. <laughs> they tried to buy as many copies of the book as they could so that people wouldn't know what you the know ending what? was going to be. This, this drives me crazy because like the, the last couple of years, I went on a little bit of a, a psycho kick. Actually, um, you know, like watched all the movies. I watched Bates Motel, and I really do want to go back and read the book, but it's one of these things that drives me crazy where it's so hard to find like a, a copy of the book that doesn't have a cover from – like you know uh the movie or from bates motel the tv show like uh, i just it's so stupid like that is one thing that really irks me i i I hate these uh you know book covers (laughs) that reference the movies and shit yeah yeah i mean i i wonder if it's if it's if it's is it would it be a book that we'd even be talking about now if psycho never get made like yeah it's a good point yeah you know would would, would anyone care about it um so i guess that's the argument for why it you just go with it but um Yeah, like, I mean, obviously the movie's great. Like, I mean, I don't know if you even have to say that, like, opening <laughs> this. Like, do you like Psycho? Of course you like Psycho. Mm-hmm. Don't you, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine? Oh, my. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Um, I'm looking forward to this explanation. <laughs> well, no, it's good. I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's... um. I don't know. Maybe I don't love it as much as uh, other people. Like I get why 
it's a classic and you know why it, you know uh i guess maybe uh revolutionized like you know horror uh, you know from the time and there's some stuff that i think you know still really stands up today like the music is uh phenomenal and it's you know very recognizable very um you know i i again you know, i don't know everything that was going on at this time but it feels like this is probably the first kind of music that really or the first movie that really kind of had this like you know heavy string <clears throat> kind of you know soundtrack and stuff to it um but i, I don't know it, it's not one I, I feel like i come come back to a lot and like rewatch a lot um there are some parts that kind of i don't know drag a little bit for me to be honest but uh i mean overall though like uh you know the performances are great and then the you know the big kind of horror moments definitely in it are good but yeah it's not my favorite movie of all time though <laughs> see if you give this a rating equal to or lower than the boy i am going to <laughs> riot at the end of this <laughs> absolutely right i'm just i'm warning you now that that will not go down well <laughs> all right we shall see <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh no psychos psychos like everything about it like it's so it's such a confident film and it makes sense it's confident because it's hitchcock but like everything about it it sets up his characters and um, it sets up like a, a reason for tension because it, it's almost like a like a weird twist in and of itself that the first like 30 minutes or so actually treat it more like a, a traditional Hitchcock movie. It feels mm. like a thriller about a woman who's stolen some money and is on the run. You know, it just feels like a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Um, and then it does the whole thing where she gets to the motel, we meet we meet Norman Bates and we have the famous shower scene and it's like, no, mm. this is this is something new, this is something different, this is a horror movie. Um, mm. And, you know, it goes from there. It's kind of a movie of two halves because of that because it does the, the, the post- you know, shower scene half, I guess we'll call it. Um, yeah. uh, maybe try to avoid spoilers for Psycho Stupid. I don't know. <laughs> it's just something everyone knows. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm assuming most people know. But, I mean, like you said, though, there are people that might be, you know, 10 years younger or something that, you know, might not really have seen it. But <clears throat> it's one of those things like Star Wars, though, where even if you haven't watched the movie outright, it's, you know, there's been done so much in pop culture that, you know, you most likely probably already know the twists and, the most famous scenes and stuff. Hmm. Uh, so no, like I, I think those the you mentioned the performances. The performances in this are really good. Um, mm-hmm. Janet Lee, uh, who plays um, oh character's name, Marion. Marianne, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays Marion, and she she like does so many little things with her with her reactions and body language in this movie. Uh, that sets up with with like her her lover at the start of the movie, the way she interacts with Norman, like all of those scenes play so well because of the way she reacts. There's a scene earlier on where she she's uh, putting up with this rich asshole who comes into the into her, her place of work uh, because she's she works for a realtor who's selling a house to this guy, and the way she reacts to all of his weird like flirting and advances and kind of plays it off and how different that is to her with her lover and how different that is to with her with Norman. Like, there's, a, there's such a range in a character where, in a modern movie, like, this would be like, oh, this is just a character who's there to be killed. So she wouldn't have much characterization. She wouldn't have much going for her. Um, and there's so much there. And then, obviously, Anthony Perkins and Norman Bates is really good. Um, yeah. He's delightfully kind of, uh, like, boyish and naive, you know, seeming until you get to the, the other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good range, and like, uh, it, you know, it's very interesting seeing this. Uh, again, you know, I'm not really sure 
you know, if it, it's something that had really been done up to this point, you know, I think it's something we see now, but just the, you know, dichotomy of, you know, this one way he's represented where he has this kind of like, oh, shucks, oh, gee, yeah. like, you know, like a Boy Scout kind of thing. And then, you know, the other stuff he's able to do throughout the movie. But, um, yeah, it's really, really great uh, performance. Interestingly, apparently in the book, um, he wasn't like this, like the, this kind of like friendly, like unassuming guy. He, he, was, he was apparently oh, more of a sleazy, like middle-aged dude. <laughs> in, oh, the, okay. in the book um oh, so a little, little bit more like you than in the book <laughs> how how dare you how dare you uh so now like obviously those are the two actors that we, we talk about the most um uh what's interesting actually is that there's an actor in this who plays the the, the private detective or the private investigator in the second half of the yeah. film um he he uh martin uh balsam uh that actor i literally just saw him in an episode of mystery science theater like yesterday <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah and a movie called mitchell uh was not uh oh mitchell okay, that's yeah, a famous mitchell. episode <laughs> yeah it's was, it was joel's last episode which is why it's uh i think yeah well known but um yeah so I, it's just weird i was like wait a minute i know him from something he was in 12 angry men <laughs> as well he clearly was in a lot of great movies in the 60s and 50s um but hey uh so no um i don't even know where to begin with this i mean i guess we just work through the movie and, and talk about uh how it how it does what it does so uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll give the full spoiler warning just in case at this point <laughs> um but w- one of the things um like i love about this movie is is how much it gives to the characters especially uh, marion's character uh like or Marion, I keep saying Marion, Marion's character, um, <laughs> who, like, you know, we open the movie and she's with with this this boyfriend in, in a city hotel, um, which, feel again, feels very kind of racy for the time period and the movies that were coming out. If you think about movies from the 50s, like, doing something like this, you you wouldn't imagine it. You wouldn't see it in your head. Um, she, she, like, immediately sets up some of the themes of the movie, which is how she deals with men and how men kind of treat her and how that's kind of a running ongoing thing for the film and how he seems to almost prefer it being this city secret of thing um even though they established that he's already divorced that he's not married like you know i, I think your assumption when you first like see them you know meeting in a, a hotel um that it's that, that it's like he always cheating on his wife but he's not like he mentions that he's paying alimony like later in the scene like would div- would even being divorced though would that be kind of a taboo thing for the time? Um, it may be. Um, I'm I'm not. I mean, you're older than I am, Tim. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me think. Yeah, yeah, I would have been around that back then. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like I, I, they set this up and like he. It's not until she kind of gives him an ultimatum and kind of says, "Now nah, there's going to be no more of this." Uh, that he kind of says, okay, we'll do something proper, we'll do something respectable in public. Uh, I'll even come and have dinner with you and your sister. Because, um, in fact, hell, speaking of themes being set up, she she mentions that, oh, you're going to, ha- you know, I want you to have dinner with me and my sister, and the, the photo of my dead mother, like, on the mantelpiece. Uh, and he cracks a joke about turning the, the photo around uh, when he tries to turn it more into, like, sex talk. Um, yeah. But again, I just I wanted to point that out because right away it sets up the idea of mothers being a theme of, of like, the movie. Um, and the idea of it, of being ashamed of w- doing what she does in front of her mother, or the, or even thinking about her mother when she's doing anything sexual, because clearly that this movie, if you know, you know where it's going, 
you know, we're going to be talking about Norman Bates and his mother and how, you know, a boy's best friend is his mother and how <laughs> he killed his mother in a, in a rage, in a jealous rage because she was having sex with a man and and so on. So it sets up those themes. Actually, like, if you're, if you're, if you know where the movie's going, you, you hear some of these buzzwords in the opening scene. So even though the this opening scene has nothing to do with Norman Bates, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff, it already introduces some key themes into the film. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, it's really good. So, um, smart. <laughs> it's smart. Hitchcock movie smart. Whoa, <laughs> would never have expected that. Yeah, um, but that keeps going because she goes into work and this guy comes in and he's like, "Oh, I'm buying a, a house for my my daughter. She's getting married tomorrow. Forty thousand dollars." And he, you know, he mentions a really key detail where he's like, "Oh, like you know, um, you know, you don't have to declare it. I never do. That's why I get to keep it." So he sets up this reason, this motivation where she thinks she can get away with stealing it because he wouldn't want to go to the police because he's not paying his taxes. Uh, so he has to... So she, she makes that kind of gamble and that's why she does what she does to a, to, a, to an extent. Um, why she runs away with it. But um, this scene's really great. There's a lot, great funny line from the other uh, girl who works there that I really liked who's just gotten married herself where after he leaves the room, she comes over and says, oh, he was really flirting with you. He must have noticed my wedding ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I like her. She's funny. I think she also, yeah, like has a joke about taking tranquilizers. Yeah, she <laughs> mentioned like... she, she took tranquilizers, and her, her husband was really upset when he found out that she was taking tranquilizers. <laughs> Which is, uh, I guess, maybe like they were like a newer thing back then. Maybe like people were taking them for like headaches or something. But it just sounds so weird to hear someone say that. Yeah, um, and like. When I talk about one of the themes of the movie being like how men like treat or interact with her, like I, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that it's saying something definitive about it. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not sure it's saying that oh, like eventually she's going to encounter someone who's dangerous because that's what you know what happens. And it's like the, probably the the least like suspicious one. Well, I mean, not to us because we're watching a movie, but the one who seems the most innocent in in like a sort of face value way is the one who ends up being the the dangerous you know psychopath essentially. Yeah. Um, whereas this guy comes on really strong with a cowboy hat and he's like, you know, making all these things about, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you're, you're pretty, blah, blah, or whatever he says. Um, like, and he seems like he comes on strong, but ultimately she knows what he is and she, she, she kind of like navigates around him, knowing, understanding that he's the type of person that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but those, those, the other moments that was really sticking out to me in terms of this theme is, uh, after she does go on the run and she ends up having the scene with the cop who's very kind of like suspicious of her um there's a scene where she goes and swaps a car at this uh, used car lot and she uh is very hurried about it and the, the guy the, the salesman's a little bit suspicious because she's in such a rush you know he wants proof of like that she owns the car and things like that um but as she drives off and leaves uh and you know she's been very suspicious because she like, almost forgets her luggage and everything else um the the characters the 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 cop the salesman and i think it's the mechanic who works there all three of them are just standing there watching her leave like like they're all <laughs> under suspicion of her um and obviously she is acting kind of weird so i mean it's not like it's unjustified but it's kind of again the idea that there's like just this lineup of men all like paying attention to her and watching what she's doing um and scrutinizing everything she does um throughout yeah the film. well uh yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I'm not super familiar with uh, Hitchcock, but uh, you know, it does seem to be uh, 
you know, I, I think something he's known for is just doing like paranoia really well, which like, you know, all these scenes of her, you know, just kind of like looking around and being nervous and then hearing, you know, these voices in her head and everything. It's just, you know, uh, yeah, it's like really well done just, uh, you know, because you almost kind of feel like you're experiencing this like kind of, you know, like weird paranoia as well. And, you know, um, and it's kind of like justified, too, because, yeah, the people are definitely like looking at her weird, which, of course, it's because she's yeah. acting weird. But, uh, yeah, it helps you like definitely get in that like same headspace. I think if, if you want to take it more of an analytical approach, you could say that it almost represents the... Like, because she, she clearly feels kind of weird and guilty about the relationship she has, that it's so secretive, that that, that it's not something that she can talk about in public. Uh, and she maybe feels, uh, for, for lack of a better word, uh, dirty for it, essentially. And that she'll be judged yeah. for having this relationship. And it's almost like you could argue the rest of the, the way that the men treat her in the film, even though she is kind of justifiably reacting kind of strange and suspicious, is of a heightened version of, like, how she feels about being found out in a relationship or how she feels as a woman navigating around men and like the idea that if she does anything she'll she'll be questioned it'll be it'll be preyed upon she'll be gazed at um yeah and that this is kind of a, a heightened kind of version of that so i think that's really neat and then, and then you ultimately have to talk about the fact that when she does get to norman bates and she has this conversation which it's beautifully shot like there's so much subtle camera work uh, the way it's shot this conversation she you know because he she meets norman he's very nice and introduces her to her room and then asks to have dinner with her and uh the, the one the one honestly my only negative in this whole movie is the fact that apparently they can hear conversations coming from the house down at the motel rooms and i'm like bullshit <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> bullshit but yeah right, so that scene where they're eating in the parlor behind the office uh, or behind behind the you know the, the front desk and she's sitting eating uh her sandwich or whatever and they're having a conversation about various things about him and his mother and having friends and and whatever else i do like the um yeah like you're saying like the, they they do have like a nice chemistry together and i, I like when he's mm. kind of inviting you know her to dinner and just uh again this kind of innocent boyish like oh geez shucks you know like uh hey i really would love it if you you know you'd have dinner with me and well, everything and it's a he, he can't even say the word bathroom he's in, he's like showing her around the room saying here there's some stationery there's a phone there's yeah. this there's that and then he, like, he turns on the light in the bathroom and he's like and there's and he can't say it and she's like bathroom and he's like <laughs> yeah uh the bathroom yeah uh and it's, again it's just it's sort of how sort of like innocent and immature he's he's coming across uh which arguably maybe lowers her guard in a way that she sh you know she, she shouldn't um which, by the way, it's worth mentioning. This is the first movie made in Hollywood that showed a toilet seat. So, um, oh, really? <laughs> so Hollywood itself was actually quite pretty sh about the toilet seat up until this point. Yeah, it's a really weird bit of trivia about this movie. But yeah, uh, whereas if, yeah, you don't think about it now. <laughs> you would never think there was a time when you couldn't show a toilet seat. But yeah. if you think about it and go watch movies from the fifties and forties, you're like, oh yeah, there's no toilet seats in these movies. We can't show that. That'd be scandalous. Um, <laughs> one of those like weird things when you, they would show um like a, a married couple's bedroom and they always had like separate beds and yeah, stuff like <laughs> yeah um yeah because even the fact that we start the movie with her lying in the bed and, and her bra like with the guys like oh this is kind of raunchy <laughs> for the time period um so you know but they have this conversation and the camera works really great here because it's just you know like 
all of his shots are kind of low angled and you can't quite see like his whole face properly um and more importantly in the background uh behind him is like all of his stuffed birds um it's interesting that he I, went on to do the birds after this movie because there's a lot of birds I, themes <laughs> in this in this one um but you know he talks about you know um her eating like a bird and the idea that the bird's always watching they're kind of like hanging over the scene and just watching the entire time um like there's again there's a lot of really subtle things that kind of tell you that something's not quite right that something is looming over the scene um and obviously if, if this is your first time watching it, you may be thinking oh it's this his mother who's like looming and watching his every move and that's what they represent um and, and in a way she is just not literally <laughs> I, I guess you would say um yeah. but it's a really well done scene because it like like her shot by contrast is a very clean shot that's very well lit and she's you know she's she's leaning forward she's engaging in conversation with them she seems genuinely kind of interested and she's trying to be friendly um you know it's, it's, it's very different to the way she talked to the you know the cowboy hat dude who was buying the house you know where she was constantly being kind of defensive she was constantly making sure that she she was under no circumstance giving out the signal of you know i am you know receiving this flirtation and returning it in any way whereas with norman she she's no she's leaning forward she she's she's happily asking more questions she's listening to what he's saying um even tries to give him advice when he like talks about how rough it is with his mother uh being sick um and maybe over even oversteps her bounds a little bit uh but they 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 connect um but it's dangerous because of course as we find out later that if he becomes attracted to someone that's when uh the mother comes out when norma bates comes out uh and does some nasty stuff um but no like some of the scenes in this movie are just so rich with like just how the camera staging um how how they're like going through things there's another shot later on it's when uh, the detective comes to the uh the motel and he asked mm. to see the the book, uh, the sign-in book, and mm. like he's looking and he's like, oh, I, oh, here it is, here the, the handwriting, you know, this is and this is kind of her boyfriend's name as a as a surname. This is clearly her alias that she's used. And Norman kind of leans in and he sort of leans in like this to look at it, like sort of like that. And it's a really <laughs> weird shot because it's like looking up at his chin and it's all in mm. shadow. And it's like a, just it's a really weird angle you never really get in movies of someone. But again, it's just this idea of like being on the underbelly underneath them and kind of looking up at them. Um, and uh, that's another wonderful scene actually from him from a performance uh, standpoint where he's like kind of like denying he, he saw her and then he has to kind of like walk back and tell the PI that he has kind of seen her and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, she was here and she left in the morning and whatever. Yeah. But the performance completely the whole time is is magical. Uh, he's he's carrying the scene. Not the other actor's bad. Yeah, that actor's great. <laughs> but um he's just all these little ticks all these little things where he's getting nervous uh really good yeah there's definitely something about him that's very captivating like uh just you know, makes you want to watch him on screen and and uh, I, I think another thing which uh well uh I, I, maybe i could be wrong wrong about this but uh yeah like i i feel like you know most horror movies you know before this uh, uh, maybe like with the exception of like dracula or something but um, like usually like the villain or the monster is a little more grotesque or ugly. And, mm. you know, he's like, you know, a very like attractive, like, you know, like leading man type who, you know, I feel like before this, we, you know, he'd probably be like a, you know, play like a hero or something in a movie as opposed to, you know, being a villain. And I think that's kind of the point is, is, is 
it's a su- surprise. It's unassuming. Like he, he looks normal. <laughs> yeah. Like, anyone could be a psychopath. Like you know, that's kind of the point. Um, yeah. But no, like he, he's he's great in the movie. Um, uh, full of little little performance beats like that. I I, I think these are the, honestly like the two standout scenes for him as a performance are, are the scenes where he's talking to to Marion, and then the mm. scene where he's like hiding it from the d- detective. Um, yeah. obviously there's other scenes as well and like him reacting to the aftermath of the shower scene is really good as well but um, you know so good so good <laughs> yeah um, so he because he watches us through the hole of course the peephole that he's got in the wall mm. um, which as you referenced earlier <laughs> in the remake they, 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 they mm. added an extra detail to this scene where uh, Vince Vaughn mm. masturbates as he's looking <laughs> through the hole Um <laughs> Which makes sense, um, but it, it, sure, but I, it, it it works well enough in the original without it that it just does feel kind of like tacked on and kind of like there oh, really, yeah. yeah there, there really is no reason for it. <laughs> like it, it, it's definitely not something you can see or that you need to see. Yeah, even if like you do assume that maybe that's what's going on, but yeah. Um, so and of course this is when his attraction is at its most highest this is why his mother then comes out uh and and his personality um we get the famous shower scene we get um but i think what's notable here uh, just to go back to uh, the story is that marion decided at the end of the conversation with norman to to turn herself in to go back with the money because up until this point in the movie she, she's been on the run with this money she's constantly looking at it she's constantly feeling the pressure uh, of being cut out and she wants to go back and make it right um and mm-hmm. as we find out later they, like they don't even want to like arrest her like you know because again he's not he's not working with the cops he he sends a pi because he just wants the money back mm-hmm. you, you know he's, yeah. he'll he'll basically forgive it if he gets his money back um she she, she makes the choice she, she says to norman i you know i was kind of running from something but i'm going to go back and face it before it's too bad and um she, she's made that choice and i think it's interesting as well that it's the conversation with norman that 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 inspires that choice uh you know hearing him talking about things and like not making a change or not trying to like make it better inspires her to make that choice for herself uh so it's, it's a really neat touch um but I, I think what do you think of the fact that she she's on the run she's nervous she's paranoid about everyone around her all the men around her but it's after she makes the choice to do the right thing that she's killed. You know, it's, it's not like she's punished for doing the wrong thing. She is killed after she's made the choice to do the right thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of what you usually, you know, see in horror movies. Um, yeah, because, you know, like, a, I mean, I guess maybe it becomes like a trope later on. But, you know, it's the idea of like, uh, oh, you know, like in slasher movies or something. It's like, oh, like once you break a rule like you have sex or whatever or do a drug then you know that's when you get killed and uh here it's kind of the opposite where you know she starts off by breaking the rules but then uh is killed when she does the right thing which i guess maybe like a lot of things in the movie is just a nice little like you know subversion as to you know what you would normally think would be the case or what should happen yeah um, i think the movie is just playing a lot of subversions you know there's a lot of things you expect i think that that don't happen um obviously not now but the first time you watch it you may expect that you know her sister and uh the boyfriend might fall for each other in the second half there's not even a hint of that you may expect that um i don't know <laughs> what else might you expect um <laughs> uh, you know there's lots, there's lots of things that you might expect because the they're, they're kind of tropes that the movie doesn't do um if you wanted to read into it a little bit more you could maybe um 
you know, like the idea that the nature's not the right word, but the the idea that this is genuinely quite random. It's, it's not like she's she's not being picked because she did something wrong. It's not like later slasher movies where all the bad characters are the ones who get killed because there's some sort of like weird karma or <laughs> something yeah. going on. It's it's more like no 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 that killer can strike anyone. So the person yeah. you think is your main character is killed halfway through the movie, uh, which is quite which is really bold. And it's like a. I mean, I could probably be wrong about this, but it seems like this is kind of around the time where maybe like serial killers were becoming more of a thing. And like, you know, people were maybe starting to, you know, be a little wary of like strangers and like, you know, uh, hitchhikers and, you know, those kind of, you know, like myths and stuff starting to turn up. Um, So just this, uh, yeah, idea of like being at the wrong place at the wrong time where, you know, because like, I feel like maybe the 40s and 50s kind of had this, like, you know, uh, leave it to beaver kind of thing where, like, oh, like, mm. we're all communities and everyone knows each other. And you can just walk into someone's house and be like, hey, neighbor, how's it going? Like, you know, and I, I, it kind of seems like this might be around the time where it's starting to pop up things that, like, oh, no, like, maybe not everyone is your friend and maybe we should be a little more wary of yeah, strangers. The idea that there's, there's horror hidden in home and, you know, in your yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's very much what the movie is, and it's obviously it's worth. Well, I mentioning. guess that goes back to kind of you know your kind of first point where mm. yeah we're taking the horror away from you know the gothic castles and you know mad scientist laboratories and instead yeah it's just a you know this little place off the highway it's uh this stranger you haven't met it's lurking all around you yeah exactly um and we should mention at this point since we're talking about serial killers uh the the the, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the character is loosely based on Ed Gein. Uh, who's a secret? Who obviously also went on to kind of inspire uh, portions of Silence of the Lambs and also Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So obviously, a very notorious killer. If he's inspired three of the you know yeah. biggest horror movies of of all time, um, yeah. <laughs> this idea of someone. Uh, what I like about it is that different elements of what Edgian did inspired these different movies. Because obviously, this movie doesn't That's have true, any yeah. of the the making like furniture out of like human bones and skin or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it does have uh, the, the the grave digging, uh, digging up the bodies, and um, yeah, keep keeping the corpses <laughs> around or or whatever. Uh, so like, yeah. and I, I say that having uh, it's been a while since I've like watched uh, the documentaries on it or anything. All, all the knowledge I yeah. had about Edkins went out the window. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I think the big things that they took for Psycho was the um, yeah, like keeping the corpse around. Um, and yeah, while he he definitely isn't like wearing human skin, but there is an element of yeah dressing up and you know pretending to be your mother. Yeah, it's not literal, but he does. Yeah, he does pretend to be her. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, shower scene itself. Should talk about some of the notable scenes in the movie. Yeah, I guess the shower scene is like you know the the first really big horror scene uh like before and there's maybe like you know there's thriller and tension stuff but this is <clears throat> yeah kind of when it's like you know full-on horror and um again it's uh you know like you had some very elegant you know things to say uh you know about like the shots and stuff before uh which is good when you have like a you know someone that's studied kind of film production stuff because uh, yeah i can't really talk about it you know in those terms i can just say like oh it looks pretty but uh i mean 
the the shower scene though, I think even if you know you don't study that kind of stuff, you can still kind of appreciate it on a you know technique level. It's just you know the, the way it's done and kind of what it shows you and doesn't show you. Um, and it's one of those things where I, I do think in your head, you know, it does feel like gorier than it is, but there really isn't like, you know, any, like any blood, like you never actually like see like the knife penetrating her and you don't really see like, you know, that much blood, uh, What's funny and stuff is in it. Hitchcock claims that there is a couple of quick shots where you can see the, the knife touching her. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't feel like you do. You're right. It doesn't feel yeah, like it. it. Um, I love how it starts. Though I love seeing the shadow of, uh, or not shadow, but the, you know, seeing the, the you know, seeing him sneak up on her, like you know, yeah. behind the curtain. Um, I really like that, and even another little detail in the shot that I like as well. And and part of this is to frame it so you can see like the person coming through the curtain, uh, just the sort of the shadows that were. But she she's very low down in the frame. She's very you know, there's a lot of headroom above her. There's a lot of space. She's she's kind of in the corner. You know, it's a really weird framing. Typically, you don't frame people like that in a shot unless you're doing something really specific artistically. And it kind of made her feel small in the shot. Like she's she's genuinely like not aware of the world she's in. She's not aware of her predicament, and she's ambivalent to it. And because of that, she's screwed. Uh, yeah. And sure enough, you know, she does get killed. So. And it- and it's also like another thing too, where you know, uh, talk about like <laughs> you know being in one of maybe a, a place that you would typically consider to be very safe. Like you know, already you know we're, we're talking about like being like in like a hotel or a motel or whatever you, you think you would be relatively safe there. But then you know, the actual shower is you know something where you know you you never really our concern like someone's just gonna like bust in there and attack you <laughs> so you know it's when you're at your you know most vulnerable like you're completely naked you know you're you know wet you don't really have anything to defend yourself and you just gotta take for granted that nothing bad's gonna happen there yeah um no it's a really well done scene uh so many shots went into it as well I, if i remember correctly i think i think i read that of the 30 day shooting schedule like almost a full week was like spent on this scene <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> uh, which is insane. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, really put a lot of thought into it. Um, other and big then, scenes... Um, oh, sorry. Oh, no, and then uh, and then it's interesting, too. So, uh, oh, well, I, I guess, um, yeah, still, we still wouldn't know uh, that it was um, Norman that did this right away. But, like, uh, you know, talking about before, like, you know, his scenes with the cops and stuff, and it's just kind of funny if you, you know, juxtapose those two earlier in the movie with Marion where like, you know, she's acting very weird and nervous around the cops, uh, and just how different Norman acts when he's around them. Like he you know, he's very cool and collected and mm. not even just uh acts. Like if you if you compare the scenes with the cop and the car and like whenever he talks to her, like it's all these big tight close ups on his face, on her face, like everything's very in you know, in your face. When the PI is talking to Norman, it's it's like a casual two shot. Um, yeah. it, it does have some nice little touches when it it, sh- it shows just Norman. Uh, again, it's the low angles and it's the they almost really want to emphasize emphasize his Adam's apple. Every time he swallows, you can kind yeah. of see him, you know, swallow properly. Yeah. Um, re- but so they're, they're even shot differently, so you get completely different experiences uh, in in both scenes. Yeah. And I guess what the the next big one would be the the death of the uh, it's a private investigator, I believe, when yeah. he's at the top of the stairs. 
yeah he comes snooping he's not satisfied with what he's heard from norman so he comes mm-hmm. snooping into the house because he wants to see the mother and you know he's just kind of slowly snooping around he's going up the stairs and obviously it's partly to conceal who it is but i do love the over the head shot uh of of mrs bates going. yeah oh com- yeah yeah like jump coming running out and stabbing him at the top of the stairs yeah um yeah, it's, it's one of those it, things where I've never been like super in love with the fact that the shot of him going down the stairs is so smooth. It should feel bumpy, but it, it's it's there it is weird. Like it looks cool, but there's something that's kind of weird about it. Yeah, that's one of those things that just feels a little bit dated, but like it's still a really effective scene. Like everything about it, I love. Um, and it's it's really cool to see how uh, you you know Norman as Mrs. Bates, how you know he she whatever moves. Uh, just because, you know, because he, <clears throat> he's obviously already pretty old. So you think his mother would be really old. And then just like the way she's dressed and her hair, like you imagine her like, you know, very old woman. But whenever you get a shot of her, it, you know, she's like running so fast. And like it, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see because uh, even if that moment you still think it's an old lady. <laughs> It's like wow, she can really move. <laughs> yeah, there's all any little tricks as well. Does because we actually get a scene where because the PIs went missing, uh, the sister Lila and the boyfriend Sam Loomis. Who, if you're recognizing that name, is because uh, Samuel Loomis from Halloween was named after uh, this character. Um, cool. <laughs> they like they try and some figure some stuff out. Uh, he like goes and checks out the motel and sees the the mum in the window. Um, they go to the, the sheriff, finally thinking, okay, we have to get help with this. Uh, they wake the sheriff up and he's talking to them. And he mentions seeing, you know, uh, Norman's mother in the window. And the guy's like, what? That's not possible. Norman's mother's been dead for 10 years. And obviously mm-hmm. this is the first big hint, right? Of like, oh shit, like, what's going on here? But it's right after this, there's a scene where Norman, uh, you hear Norman arguing with his mother again. We've heard, we've heard him do both voices before, but uh it's, it's again it's the same shot at the top of the stairs looking down but he actually you know carries her out and we see him you know carrying a woman down the stairs obviously later on we find out this is just her corpse and that mm-hmm. she's dead uh but you know it, it does do a lot to dispel uh and again the, the shot's off from above so you can't see the mouths moving so you, you can't see who's speaking you, you can't see that it's him doing both voices um so it, it almost like sets you up for like wait the mother's dead there must been going on but then it gives you this thing to disprove the idea that oh no she, someone's there there's clearly a woman there like is this someone he's kidnapped yeah. is this something else going on like your, your mind wonders uh yeah so really good really good mm-hmm. um and then of course they eventually do try and sneak in themselves uh, and this is kind of the big climatic ending, uh, where one of them sort of distracts them. The, the you know uh, Loomis distracts them whilst uh, Lila goes in to to check things out. Uh, sneaks around, sees some odd things like he's a teddy bear and whatever else other weird things he's got going. Um, and then finds the corpse of the mother in the basement. Uh, screams, which triggers uh, Norman with his wig on and the dress coming in. Mm-hmm. To, to kill her luckily yeah. loomis like jumps him from behind and grabs him um and yeah. de-escalates it but that's kind of your big it's, end of moment yeah and such a good reveal on the corpse and when she like kind of you know like hits the light and it's going back and forth uh and it's just really really cool effect on it 
again yeah again it feels very dark for the time period like this corpse yeah. just sitting there uh, the skeleton essentially um and to his credit because i feel like when you see a skeleton in movies this old typically you get the really cartoony like just white skeleton like it's just bones yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas this actually looks like a, a corpse so uh this is good as they were going to get in 1960 yeah um so no that that's really good and i like how it emphasizes the twist just in case you didn't get it you see the wig fall mm. off and you see him with his own hair like so just yeah. just in case you didn't recognize him immediately it makes it very clear that this is this is who it is um yeah and it's like a really good like expression he does in his face where it's like yeah he he's just giving like this tormented like kind of stretched like uh almost like animalistic kind of thing where you, you haven't seen them acting this way at like at all you know before in the movie like you know his eyes are so wide and stuff it's uh yeah very cool <laughs> very, very very good acting <laughs> on his part yeah that's very neat um uh uh, let me ask you this, Tim. How do you feel about yeah. the scene, basically the, the final scene before we see Norman, where a psychiatrist walks us through? Kind of like the whole movie. Yeah, he, he <laughs> basically. basically explains yeah. everything. Probably too much. I don't know if... if yeah. Like, so if I have two complaints about the movie, my only two complaints is everyone seemingly be able to hear conversations from the house, even though it's up a little hill and it's like, you know, yeah. uh, behind closed doors and whatnot. Um, and it's this scene maybe goes too far with just how much over explains things that said though yeah. i i guess you have to look at it in the context of the time period i'm like all these ideas that he's telling us we've seen done in movies we've seen done in movies and tv yeah. shows we understand the concept of split personalities we understand the concept uh of of just all these ideas does an audience in 1960 do they need this to be explained as much as this they might they might do i don't know they yeah, they might have. Uh, it, it definitely does feel dated and, and tacked on uh, by modern standards. Like, it, it's totally fine to have, you know, maybe someone do, like, a little recap or whatever. But, yeah, it definitely goes on, like, way too long. Um, and, but, yeah, I, I think at the time, like, people might just be, like, so, like, wait a minute. Why was there a guy in a dress? That's something that could never, ever happen. Like, you know, it, it might be something that they would need a little bit of explaining on. Yeah. But, uh I think uh, at least, though, I, I think maybe it was kind of a good move, though, that that's not just where the movie ends, because the next scene is phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah, right yeah. There's it. the final scene of uh, Norman sitting there, and we oh. hear the, the narration of the mother, um, and that final smile as he looks at the camera. Yeah. Really good. Uh, really unsettling. Yeah. Um, like I mean, when technically there's one more shot. There's a shot of the car being pulled out the the swamp. Oh, right, but, right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean when you think of the final scene of Psycho, you're thinking of that shot of him smelling. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the moment. Um, I think one of the things that makes this movie so good, apart from just how well it's directed and the, the kind of the shock factor of the various things that it's doing, is just how good the dialogue is and how back and forth it is. Um, you know, Marion's a character who's a very quick speaker, uh, whether it's because she's being charming in one scene or she's she's trying to like get things done quickly, like the car salesman or whatever. Um, and then likewise, uh, you know, the, the, the P.I., uh, Arbogast, like when he's talking to Norman, or even talking to Lila and Sam, he's a very quick talker who kind of—it's got a flow to it. You know, when he's talking to Norman, uh, he keeps interjecting things with like, "So there it is again." Yeah, you said no one had been here, but you just mentioned this couple has been here, and then it gets Norman kind of stuttering, and it's got this kind of rhythm to it because 
he's very confident and sure of himself so the pi keeps talking very kind of smoothly and in a rhythm it's really good and then as soon as he makes his point and he hands it back over to norman to say the next thing norman hesitates and it there's, just, there's a lot of great little character in there. There's, there's a lot of smooth dialogue going back and forth between characters, and it, it tells us so much about uh, who they are very quickly. Um, no. Yeah. Really good, really good. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to talk about in Psychotown? No, I, I I don't know. It's it's sometimes it's just a little harder to talk about these classic movies because they, they are so classic. You know, it's like uh you know it, it's kind of like what else do you need to say like you know there's there's a reason why it's you know has this legacy and you know is lived on and is studied and you know people talk about it's just you know it, it's it's really good it does uh you know it has very talented people working on like all sinister uh on all cylinders <laughs> or what, whatever the cylinders phrases cylinders all cylinders <laughs> it's a horror podcast i'm thinking sinister uh so uh, <laughs> but uh but no i mean yeah there's a it's it's great there's a reason why it, it lives on and um yeah <laughs> i don't really have much else to say about it i feel like there's a a lot more you know elegant takes on it other than my just being like oh yeah it's good <laughs> sure <laughs> no i mean sometimes the classes can be rough because like you feel like everyone said everything already what the hell do we have yeah. to add um and you know that's where like you know having seen it multiple times i start thinking about themes and that you know i started thinking about how how Marion interacts with all the different men in the movie and things like that, or think about what maybe it's trying to say, if it is trying to say anything, which I, I don't know if it necessarily is, I, I think it it's just a really well-made movie about its premise, and the point is to be shocking and be like, hey, like, anyone could be dangerous, uh, is yeah. kind of the idea. So, I like that, it's got great performances, it's got great cinematography, direction is, is exceptional. Um, it... You know, it's, it stands the test of time. It's, it's a goddamn masterpiece. It, it just is. Um, and without this movie, there is no Halloween. There is no slasher movies. Um, and I wouldn't call this a slasher movie. Like, I don't think it is, but I don't think sure. slasher movies exist without Psycho first. Yeah. Um, it paved the way. And I, I know Peeping Tom was about the same time, so it wasn't like there was nothing else that was trying to do, you know, more modern takes on horror at the time and more yeah. kind of in the the real western world kind of idea um but psycho's the bigger of the two because it's the better made of the two and i i i've not seen peeping tom in a long time but i do remember liking it it wasn't a bad movie it, 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 very good even from what i recall but psycho's the one that kind of just broke the mold and says this is how shocking we can be and while yeah. n- none of the things it does now would be shocking now really you can kind of like in the context of watching movies from the 50s and the 40s and then watching this you can kind of feel this leap forward this to like this would have freaked people out at the time yeah whereas now i mean we've seen how many corpses do we see in a, a movie or a tv show on a weekly basis like well that rob zombie movie there was a thousand i've never seen it but <laughs> was there literally a thousand corpses tim I uh, I don't know uh, probably not. <laughs> mm. I'm like uh, yeah, question questionable, questionable. Uh, 
but yeah um but we are going to do the whole franchise uh, all four movies yeah. uh, over the course of the month so this is just the beginning of the cycle franchise and arguably talking about how the sequels handle uh taking the story forward and following up on hitchcock might actually be a very interesting conversation Oh, yeah. uh, so maybe more interesting than this one because this one it's just like yeah psych was amazing and here's why it's amazing and yeah. uh you know nothing to really make fun of because it's psycho and if we're getting to ratings tim it's a 10 out of 10 um, i'll say mine first i never do that but it's a 10 out of 10 <laughs> and for, uh... anyone, for anyone who's going to poke jose but you had a couple of small complaints i'm like yeah but to me a 10 doesn't mean it's perfect i don't, I don't believe in a perfect movie nothing's perfect yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go a little lower, but <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't argue your score, but um, I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, yeah, it's a classic. I, I recognize it. Um, I, I think, I don't know, maybe since I don't know about uh, as much as, uh, you know, about Hitchcock and maybe the the time period and the, the film techniques and stuff, maybe uh, there's a level I don't appreciate it uh, as much as other people, but I mean, I, I still get why, you know, it's good and there's a lot of cool stuff in there, but I think I'm just going to go with a, an 8.5 for me. <laughs> You're lucky. That's just above what you give the boy. Lucky. Although, uh, I, should, I mean, I should be offended anyway. Saying Psycho is only half a point better than the boys, kind of like <laughs> madness. Absolute madness. Um, well, I mean... In the in the words of Ma, there must be something wrong with me. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so that that's that's been psycho. Which you know, hopefully, you all are more uh, just. Hopefully, you all have better taste than Tim. Is all I'm saying. You appreciate the, the finer things, the finer movies in life. Um, it would be my hope but no, I mean I I, uh, I love Psycho it's, it's one of those things where I, I think I've liked it more every time I've seen it because I I start noticing little things and you know, you know I mentioned the bird imagery obviously there's a the taxidermy there's the line about eating like a bird uh, when Norman <laughs> goes into the uh, the shower and sees the body and he reacts he, he backs into the wall and knocks over a photo off the wall uh, that photo is of a bird Um huh? Uh, or it was not a photo, it was like a, it was like a painting of a bird, but you know, whatever. Um, so that's the idea that um, the, the birds are always looming. Uh, so again, really funny that he wanted to direct the birds like, as the next movie. Cause there's, a, there's a lot of bird uh, imagery in this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's Psycho. Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, there was some interesting analysis in there uh for you but uh you can let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below uh you can support the show and everything we do here on patreon at patreon.com slash mailfuzz tv uh we can support us for as little uh, for as little as one dollar per month and for that one dollar per month you get access to an exclusive bonus episode every month so it's a bit of a back catalog that's built up over the, over the, most of the year now um we're actually doing four bonus episodes for octoberthon so uh patrons are getting a lot of value uh for this month um but you can uh, let's just say out. we're also going to be doing uh going all the way through another series that maybe maybe as equally beloved as psycho not a chance in hell is it equally beloved <laughs> as psycho 
um but you can uh you can check that out um and you can of course like subscribe you can review the podcast on your your apple podcast or whatever podcast app you use because it helps spread the show around to more people uh, and you can get us on twitter at screams midnight uh and of course you send can, us questions you can send us questions there you can send us questions on on our email uh, which is uh, mftvquestions at gmail.com where you can send us in questions and we'll pick from them and talk about them and answer them <laughs> no we won't answer them. we'll just talk about them let's talk about the question but not answer <laughs> it um so we could do all those things um but that is us so again it is the octoberthon bunch and bunch and bunch of episodes the whole idea is to make it feel like a marathon all month uh and this is hopefully going to be the biggest most packed episodes ridden month yet uh so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching the scary movies guys and we will see you next time